Hey, and welcome to the Stay Wild Trauma Child podcast. I'm Steph. And I'm Jamie, your trauma tour guides. Please keep your hands, arms, and legs. Oh, Jamie. Yeah. We're their hosts. As I was saying, we are two best friends that are openly sharing their healing journeys while navigating sudden loss, parenthood, relationships, mental health, and so much more. So this is your trigger warning that Jame and I will be discussing highly sensitive topics, including abuse, domestic violence, and murder in most, if not all of our episodes. We aren't for the faint of heart. We cuss like sailors and we have a pretty dark sense of humor. So if either of those things bother you, this is where your tour ends. Oh, hey, Jame. Yeah. Don't forget to tell them that we aren't medical professionals. Oh, yeah. We're definitely not medical professionals, but we probably need them. <laughs> <laughs> so grab your favorite drink, get cozy, and get ready for a whole lot of laughs and maybe even a little bit of healing. Steph's like, shut the fuck up already and start recording. <laughs> That's only because it's already almost 10 o'clock. <laughs> I know. I know. I, Me and my... I. I sat there and I felt real bad. Uh-oh. Yeah, audio, video. Am I still real bad about what? I felt really bad because I sat there and I like gave it at least a good 30 seconds of thought before choosing to make my cornbread. I was like, can I eat this dinner without the cornbread? <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I'm on my period. I slept like shit last night. And no, I deserve the cornbread. <laughs> and I can... I can talk about a fight response quicker than quicker than what? Because that was a real slow response. Clearly, uh, quicker than a tortoise. Quicker than I responded there. <laughs> However, our last episode, we said we were only going to talk for an hour, and we talked for almost two hours. I was going to say quicker than my dad came back for milk, but that doesn't apply because he didn't really leave. I mean, he did, but he, I don't know. But the trauma okay. is strong with this one because it's so confusing. What I okay, just very brief. I journaled something the other night that said it was like uh, draw the roadmap to your life and like the things that always like the consistencies that you notice between them and blah 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 and all this stuff. And I wrote down that like with my father, I learned that. Um, uh, Hang on, this is really good, and I think it would be really good to start off an episode like this. So I learned, and I thought this would be a good tie-in for starting off the trauma responses by doing like kind of the story, the roadmap of my life, the big events, the turning points, the consistencies and what motivated my progress through life and how I evolved and like what did I find myself drawn back to, like the patterns, right? And so I noticed the complexity of stability from an adult perspective and then from a child perspective as I was going over this timeline of my life. So with my dad, it was the complexity of stability in the sense that it was like kind of out of my mother's control. Mm -hmm. um, it, obviously she, she could leave if she wanted to leave, but like she was in this drug ridden abusive marriage and like she found her stuff self-stuck there and she was lied to now she had a child with him and so it's like that's the complexity of stability right there like it was kind of like out of her control and I remember feeling what that felt like as a child and then when she met my stepfather it was like this very interesting like I was very stable things were very calm like and happy and then she moved on to dad number three 
which was her choice. And that's the complexity and stability with her being in control of it. Because it was stable, but, like, it was her choice for it to also, like, not be stable. So, like, it, it leveled out. And that's the thing. Like, it, it was her choice for it not to be to be stable, right, in that moment. She made a choice to have the affair, and, and the life became unstable. And then as things leveled out, things kind of, like, came full circle for me as Mark be, became this really stable, stable, loving father figure in my life and then in my child's life, um, mm-hmm. old grandfather figure. Which was just like, there's so much complexity, disability, there's so many factors. And as I entered adulthood and I apply it to my own life, it's it's, a, it's just a very different perspective. Like, it, it ties it all the way around and it really helps me, like, realize how I develop certain trauma responses. And realizing and looking at the patterns and realizing the complexity and the stabilities in your, child, your ch- childhood. And then, if you're a parent, your children's now childhood. Mm-hmm. Stay wild and don't raise a trauma child. <laughs> it's the motto. Or just don't raise children at all. Um. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was a very long explanation, and I definitely should have typed that out because I. Life experience brings a lot of knowledge with it. Mm-hmm. So, like you know, the the phrase we all hate as kids, like you'll understand when you're older, is truly. <laughs> a like the epitome of adulthood like you truly cannot understand most things that your parents have done or you've experienced as a child until you gain more life experience and you gain the the greater sense of self and the greater sense of others and then then you can see like being put in maybe not the same exact position that your parents were put in but like a parallel one and then you can be like oh now i see why they did that now i see why this choice was made now like now i see how hard it is yeah and even like you know like when you and zach were separated and jacelyn was jacelyn couldn't grasp the concept of what was going on and i kept telling you that children take a very complex situation and make it black and white you know, mm-hmm. because she's like, oh, mommy and daddy are happy hanging out together. So that means they're getting back together when you and Zach were both like, no, no, that is not where we are at right now. Like, we are just working on being a cohesive unit while we're all together. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. trying to make sure things are enjoyable for everybody, you know? So I, like, and I remember us having that conversation, like, quite often that, children take a complex situation and can completely turn it black and white they only see it yeah i mean i think and to kind of like piggyback off what you were just saying of the phrase you'll you'll understand when you get older um i was told that a lot and there's some things like a hundred percent i understand i repeated um no regrets i get it you know less savory choices i've made in my life and then there's other things when i kind of can compare stories in parallel to like ages and life experience and support and different things between me and uh I don't need to be vague I don't need to be vague because I'm not my mother and I I mean this in love it's just truth and it's reflection so it's okay to say it 
when I look at my life in parallels between like ages and everything I said between me and my mother, it's like she was vastly behind me in some 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 decision making things. Like I made my bad decisions earlier, mm-hmm. but like the bad decisions are the same amount. Let's say like they're the same amount of bad decisions. Mine were kind of squished into one decade of my life, whereas like she had this really stable marriage in between my that that instability of my father and then stable marriage, you know inklings of issues normal marriage shit and then another unstable relationship turning to stable ending in flames so i mean did it ever really stabilize we'll never know so um find out as stable as jello when jamie has an epiphany at 35 um so yeah i look at those things and it's like okay i've gained some understanding or i've gained some perspective but at your age with the age i was but i was also older so i'm not in the midst of raising an older child at that point either it's just kind of hard i will never understand i i don't think i've gained perspective i've gained knowledge as to why she did it um but i don't think i'll understand why she did it if that makes sense like i can understand why her brain made that decision but it still feels like it, it, it was a choice. Things, certain things were choices. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Whether they were good choices or not. I tell my children, you'll gain perspective when you're older because there's some things I've done you may never understand. I may have hurt you so deeply you'll never be able to understand. Yeah. No, and you're. I, I think that's a very fair way to look at it um, is to say you will gain perspective. Because I know I did. Like After conversations I've had with my dad, about the divorce and my mom about the divorce and then like even conversations I've had with my stepmom about her own divorce. It's given me a greater perspective on why my parents made certain decisions that they did or why things played out the way they did or why I felt the way I did, feeling like I needed to protect my mom when in reality it was never my argument or fight to even try and get involved in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I really just needed to be sh- not shielded from it, but I just needed somebody to sit me down and explain, like, not the whole just because mommy and daddy no longer love each other anymore doesn't mean we don't love you. Like, no, I need you need somebody like basically like when Jason would try and mother Noah and you would be like, Jace, I'm the mom. You're the child. Go like I've got this. Thank you for trying to help but like you're not his mom like you just kind of need somebody to sit you down and be like this is not your fight to fight as much as it feels like it's all about you it's right now it's not does that make sense yeah no it makes perfect sense i was listening to and kind of absorbing your words and i was like i know this is at the end of the episode but just out of curiosity i clicked on the link where it was talking about like the the origins of these different traumas right because it was like things started clicking the math started mathing in my brain because you and i had similar yet very different childhood experiences where mine was more of a roller coaster yours was consistent in the fact like your mom and dad split your mom got cancer your dad was made out to be the bad guy and cheating all of this different stuff and so like all of a sudden you felt responsible for protecting your mother for obvious reasons. And then uh-huh. with me, my dad was very mean. Things were happening. I, you know, I witnessed him laying hands on her on multiple occasions. I was in the middle of those. So like, clearly I felt the same. Yeah. And then that just, that pattern continued for several years and something 
related but unrelated as I was reading my book um, The Body Keeps Score the other night he was talking about how this is PTSD but also very applicable here when you have these things that happen in your childhood um, it, and they continue to happen is so you develop these response systems and then it either continues to happen within your childhood um, inflicted by your parents or you continue the pattern yourself inflicting mm-hmm this pattern upon yourself to and at which point it becomes this like um subconscious every time i want to say unconscious this subconscious <laughs> thing that you do without even realizing it so you find yourself falling into fight 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 flight fawn or freeze without even realizing it and so i was like i'm just kind of curious what the origins are of the fight response because for me i have always leaned towards flight a hundred I'm a flighter and a freezer and a fawner eight million percent but there was a very brief period of my life like teenage years to like mid-20s oh that's not brief that's that's a decade there was a decade of my life where I would be very much fight flight fawn or freeze with with people of authority but when it became when it came to my peers I was a menace I was a fighter if I saw you as lesser than me in the spirit of honesty if I saw you as equal or more like I respected you, like I felt I would run. So like I'd run from you whenever there was like <laughs> tension, I would avoid you like the plague. But it was two parts. Like I didn't view you as authority. I viewed you as equal or better than me. But if someone had done something, and I don't mean lesser as in like I looked down my nose at you. I mean yeah, lesser yeah. as you've hurt me, you've wronged me, and now I'm going to go lead a war campaign against you. Mm-hmm. So anyways, curious, and it says the response tends to show up. I guess we'll start here and we can work it backwards. The response tends to show up more commonly when your caregivers didn't provide reasonable or healthy limits. 100% my childhood. It was more structure and unreasonable limits. Whereas I could definitely see that happening with you because like your mom was sick. All this stuff was going on with your dad. Your brother had left. So it's like, let's give Steph whatever she wants to a degree, like a free reign. Because you talked about it a lot, how, like, your brother had a curfew and he had this, that, and the other. And Steffi was allowed to do whatever she wanted because you were a good child, right? Yeah. Like, and that's that's great. But, like, you also had free reign. And do you think maybe it was because your mom was sick and she felt bad that you've had to, ex- you had to experience all that? Um, I'm sure in part it had to do with that. But I, so this is what I was going to ask you, like, when you were talking about how you kind of made like parallel decisions like your mom did. My mom was always very open and honest with us about the shit she did as a kid. Like I can tell you all the stories of her when she was in high school. When... So my mom was always very open with us about what she did. And so I was always very open and honest with her about what I did. She always knew where I was going. She always knew who I was with. She always knew. She flat out knew if I was smoking, if I was drinking, if I was doing anything. Like, she knew. There was one New Year's Eve party that um, we were at. There was uh, a set of twins in my grade. They were a boy and girl. And uh, they were having a New Year's Eve party. And my friend Danielle and I went. And I think there was somebody else with us. And all of a sudden... Like a certain group of kids were having a sleepover at the house, but Danielle and I weren't. All of a sudden, the parents decided to check the duffel bags of the kids sleeping over. 
and somebody brought alcohol and we were, I think we were freshmen in high school, maybe sophomores. So like we were kind of just getting into that arena of the like house parties and stuff like that. I immediately called my mom and I was like, you need to come get us. And she's like, why? What happened? I was like, so-and-so got busted for alcohol. I ain't trying to get all up in this mess. Roxanne, I need you to get your ass in the car and come get us. Like, come on. Like, we will meet you up the road if I have to. But like, these parents are about to lose their mind. I need you to come get us. (laughs) Now. Yeah, like, please. But where John, John lied to her about everything. He hid everything. And so he got in trouble where like my mom knew everything I did. You know, that doesn't mean she approved of what I was doing, but she also knew more often than not, I wasn't making decisions that were going to put me in harm's way. She trusted you. Yeah, she did trust me. And even my, my one aunt had said to my mom, like, you know, she was at the house visiting And I called my mom, oh, to see if I could stay out later. I don't remember what we were doing, but I don't know. We probably wanted to go to Wendy's or some shit and get something to eat. And Wendy's is five minutes down the road from my house. So I think I asked if I could stay out till one or something like that. And my aunt was like, how are you going to let her stay out like that? Blah, 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 blah. And my mom's like, it's fine. And my grandmother just looks at her and she's like, you just don't know your niece. No sooner did... uh, my mom say, yes, I could stay out later. Me and all my friends showed up at the house. My mom's like, see, like whatever they wanted to do was done or they decided to come home anyways. Like, and that's yeah. what we did. So, but um, yeah. I don't know why I just I went on that really long rant, but. Because we were talking about life, life and parallels. And so, yeah, so your mom trusted you going back to that. Uh, my experience was very different. My mom would tell me. About all the crazy, horrible things that she had done. Like, she was... It felt as if she was trying to, like, relive her childhood. It felt very, like, this was definitely the better part of my life. I never noticed her eyes sparking up like that when she talked about me. Oh, um, as opposed sad. to... Yeah, it was just, like, this sense of excitedness. And I, I definitely felt that a lot, like, when I first became a parent because I never wanted to be one and I felt myself like really romanticizing the younger parts of my life and um when I made that connection between how I felt when my mom would talk the same same thing I was like all right we need to fix this problem this is a problem my kids can never feel this way like that was a fun part of my life but like now we need to learn how to have fun in parenthood as well yeah um so but i say all of that to say she would talk about these parts and then when it came time for me to be a kid for me to make these mistakes it was like where did you go like it seemed like you used to be cool and like now like i can't even do regular things like i wasn't even asking her to make me or to let me go drink with my friends or do drugs like i I was asking to go to the movies alone yeah. The movie theaters. Drop me off, let me go in, and you can literally sit right outside. That was a solid no. The mall by myself was a solid no until I got into, like, 11th grade, and I was like, fuck you. Going off campus for lunch was a no. Really? Yeah, like, I was just very contained, and, like, it was very, it was this very, like, fear-based approach to the world. Like, I've been there, I've done that, I know this sort of thing, and I, I definitely feel myself doing it with Jacelyn a little bit sometimes, um... But the approach should have always been like, let me educate you so I can trust you to make their choices. Mm-hmm. Well, I think 
your defense with Jace, it's a very scary world. We live like it's always been a scary world, but now how much everything is publicized, it's an even scarier world. Um, but I think you do a really good job of, like you said, educating her on why. Like you are always very good at encouraging her to think for herself, and you never like guide her to the right decision, but you try to like lay all the pieces out in front of her and be like, okay, well, you could make decision A and this is going to happen. You could make decision B and this could happen, or you could do C and this could happen. And then you could like, we always watched her with like little gears going in her head and smoke sometimes, coming out her ears. Sometimes <laughs> I guide her. Sometimes I guide her. I well, definitely I have been guilty of asking like you know? prompting questions. It's like, She's like, well, so-and-so did this. And I'm like, mm-hmm. And why do you think they did that? Well, sometimes she needs to be prompted to actually give you an answer. Because it's always mm-hmm. the, I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And you're like, Jason, you're not like yeah. you're not stupid, kid. So stop acting like you're stupid. We know you're not stupid. So yeah. but she's, she's so you do a good job with that. Well, thank you. I try really hard. I know you do. Really hard. I always want her to feel like she can come to me like uh, like there's no I I don't want to be the mom that's trying to relive her youth and like constantly keep up with the current trends and stuff but I know I don't want to be the mom that has like an absolute stick up my ass because I noticed that when my mom joined or not joined but like became more immersed in religion it, it can be it was like you know it went from certain things to like no sleepovers for a period of time like they could come over to our house but I could never leave my house and and I know the sleepover thing is a sticky subject for some parents uh and I completely get and respect and understand yeah, yeah, yeah. but there was really no explanation it was just like no means no weird things happen to sleepovers which they did and that might be why some of the sleepovers stopped because I had um bad experience of being sexually assaulted in, in like third grade was one of the many times so like I could get her resistance to wanting to continue to let me mm-hmm. but, but there was no conversation yeah. about it it was just a this is my decision and that's it that's final there's no discussion as to why this decision is being made kind of like it never felt like a discussion if there was one it was just like this is the way the world is I know it I'm an adult I've been there there was no room for me to discuss my experiences and how I view the world. And like, yes, I was younger, but I, I still had experiences mm-hmm. and I still had different views of the world. I So it felt like there was no room for that one. And, and for two, it felt like there was just never discussion. There was a lot of shaming, um, which is funny because that's that's one of the things that it says when show up commonly in the caregiver child dynamic is if they shamed you and I felt very shamed whenever I made a mistake because I I vaguely I rarely it was like you explanations rarely happened it was a lot of cold shoulder the face drop thing you have I'm pretty sure have seen it or we Uh definitely lived together yes on Mother's Day she did it on Mother's Day that one year and it's the worst thing to be in the room with. I mean, I know uh-huh. she's not your mom, but it's like the the, the air goes out of the room. Uh-huh. It's, it's like, like being in a vacuum. most ice cold feeling, I, isolating. And I don't know, I could never differentiate whether it was like a childhood trauma response. So then I started asking others, like, does this impact you similarly or the same way? I mean, 
it might not be as intense because like you were never her child but like am i crazy is this as intense as i think it is Mm -hmm. and the poll says yes mother so (laughs) um yeah so it it was just it it felt very shaming and like it felt like she was trying to bite her tongue from saying the most awful things to me because she was disappointed and she was yeah and like standing on the edge of that cliff in a room with her in a car with her wherever i was trapped with her was the worst feeling in the world because it's like if i say anything mm-hmm. right wrong or indifferent i could be jumping off the ledge i don't know how she'll respond well and so when you had a dad figure in your life were they allowed to parent you or was it really just like your mom was the only one that was allowed to parent like this is my child i'm totally gonna shock you with this one because it's neither of those what do you mean when i had a dad figure i no longer had a mom oh so you were their responsibility Mm-hmm. Hmm. that's interesting i didn't that's how i feel that's how i felt that's how i remember it i don't remember anything of my dad i i have memories of him doing my hair which is the crazy part mm-hmm. so many memories of him doing my hair and i don't know if it's because he was horrible or his hands mm-hmm. would rough were rough and my hair would get caught in his calluses from working and like they would pull but i don't ever remember i remember it being this like uncomfortably sweet moment in my childhood it was like Mm -hmm. oh poor dad he's trying um john had to do my hair when i was little when my mom wasn't around because my dad couldn't do it or but with my mom it was just like it was always like aggression and frustration and like rushing because she was always behind because she could never get on a schedule which is why i'm like so anti-schedules which is what yeah well for my whole life i was so when i came here i was like i'm fucking changing everything i'm going to not even be recognizable when i come back and this is going to be the most painful process i have ever endured and no one needs to be around me for the next year of my life because i'm going to be a monster because this is going to suck and i'm going to be tired and yeah but i refused i just anyway so when she was doing my hair it was like just a lot of pulling but the whole thing is like um yeah no my my father figures definitely were the ones who stepped in i remember getting so many life lessons from mark from ed like that i carry with me to this day i still write mark happy father's day emails even though he will no longer talk to me Mm. every year since he's left but i didn't write my mom happy mother's day how fucked up is that am i making you cry or laugh i can't (laughs) tell right now She looks like she's, like, in pain, but, like, also laughing. I've never seen this face before, guys. No, I really thought it would be different that, like, your mom would have been, like, very territorial and been, like, like, as much as she wanted you to have a dad figure, like, didn't want them to actually parent you. You know what I mean? Like, I remember one instance I was, I was in trouble and I can't. Oh, it was Ed. I'm pretty sure it was. I'll need to ask Ed if we can chuckle over this later. I was in trouble or some shit like that. And like, it was a pretty heated fight. I can't remember if it was Ed or Mark. This is going to bug the shit out of me now. Um, Stay tuned for the next episode. I'm literally going to write a note to ask him about this if it was Ed. But we were in this fight and like he stepped up to say something, whichever he it was. Raise your hand if you have way too many father figures in your life. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Raising... So, yeah, and the man stepped up to me and was, like, started to say some shit. And I was, like, just a bratty old teenager. And I was, like, you're not my dad. 
And my mom was like, you do not speak to him. That like full force attacked me because he was doing the parenting in that moment. Because I remember being going tit for tat with my mom and whoever the man was, was like trying to interject and trying to like level and balance the situation out. Probably I'm now that I'm thinking probably that, but like trying to balance the situation out, level it out because he could see my mom was wrong and I was wrong. I was being an asshole teenager. She was being like very reactive. Uh, Wasn't a good dynamic. And so like trying to level it out and finally it escalated and like I finally hit my max and I started being real disrespectful and started going below the belt with some things um, because I learned from the best. Um, So that's when the father figure two or three stepped in and said what they said. Well, listen, I'm trying to at least stay half good on my promise to my mom about not name dropping so sorry but i never really promised that i know i said half good half good on my promise (laughs) so yeah yeah so it was just very much like uh, if i disrespected them in any way i was attacked Uh they were owed respect um as as a father figure not even as authority as a father figure um, which was like fine because I adored the shit out of them. They were there for me and they kept stability and got me to school on time and bought me McDonald's in the morning. They were the shit, man. Combined, they were awesome. I learned about seasonings with that. I didn't know, learn shit about shit with cooking with my mom. I, I, so many things. But like there came a point where I was, you know, teens are all teens. We get emotional and uh, I would definitely use the you're not my dad in the arguments. And if I was disrespectful in any way it was like nope they're your father and they were doing the majority of like the mediation stuff Mm -hmm. the getting me to school stuff so i think i don't know i think for me it depends i think with my mom as a kid i wanted to be a fighter but i was definitely always a flighter with her like if i ever told her i hated her i'd run to my room crying but like my dad whoo I would stand there at three years old, four years old, and go toe-to-toe with a grown-ass man. Like, John went toe-to-toe with him, got my ass beat plenty of times. Yeah, I mean, there was... It's weird looking at the pattern. Now we're just discussing all of them. We're putting the cart ahead of the horse here because they don't... We haven't even gone into what these responses are. But I noticed with my mother that as a teen, when I had balls and nothing to lose, I was very much of a fighter. Mm -hmm. And then... When I had my daughter, when I had my first child, when I had Jacelyn, I'm saying daughter for the listeners because you know, but yeah, I felt I needed help. I was younger. I just needed help with lots of things like, you know, watching her money, different things that we were struggling. Yeah. And suddenly my fight response, like it didn't ever transform into anything healthy. It went over to flight because I, I felt like I had to respect her in some way. And what's so funny about this, and this is the only thing I'm going to say about the fawn thing, Uh the fawn, sorry, the fawn trauma response is I wrote, it is important to know that this response is utilized after an unsuccessful fight, flight, or freeze attempt. So like you don't automatically go into fawning. It's after something else has failed. Yeah, it's after something else has failed you. And so I realized that I went through fight and flight with my mother. And then I went through this period when I was starting to work for a day where I was fawning towards her, just trying to like get her to love me and accept me. And and then after Emily, I refroze. 
So, like, I kind of went a little backwards because I don't ever remember a period. I mean, there might have been periods of freezing, but I definitely froze with her. And then, well, like, you also had quite a long period of time where you were stuck between your husband and your mother. Yeah. So there was a lot of fighting and freezing going on because you would fight with Zach because you knew no matter how much you two fought, he wasn't going anywhere. But then you would freeze or flight with your mom because you were trying to like appease the situation because you like you were saying before you were like, we needed help. Yeah, because you knew that it wasn't just you she was walking out on. It was Jace that she would be walking out on in that point, too. And yeah, like and not saying like you only did it because you needed help, but but because you genuinely were trying to have a good relationship with your mom at these times in life, you know, like that. And I knew the repercussions. I would have had to grovel. Whereas yeah. Zach, like, yes, we've had big blowups. Yes, he's left. Yes, there's been infidelity. Like, yes, 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 yes. But like, as far as like the in-between fights, whenever we would have disagreements and fights, like I knew he wasn't walking. Like there wasn't this, this um, lack of stability in the sense that he would walk out and disappear for days or that I, w- I would have to deal with a cold shoulder. Like, yes, there would be mood swings. There would be all the issues, but like, um, and there would be like a little icing out in a sense, but it was nothing comparable to the groveling and the icing out and the, the silent treatment that I would have had to endure had I sided with Zach instead of my mom uh-huh. in those fights. I always had to choose my mom, which obviously and inevitably caused issues in my marriage. Yep. But that's enough therapy for Jamie tonight. <laughs> <clears throat> now that we've talked for like 45 minutes about that, hopefully um, if my mother is listening, you've gained a little perspective. Um, so... I wonder how many times I've said that over episodes. I wonder how many times I've like said hello to her. So should go back and count. So in the research, now that we've talked for 45 minutes about ourselves, shocking. Um, Isn't that why we started a podcast? Yeah, uh, but you know. Also, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I just don't want to get like redundant. They're, like, I like how I make us heard. sound like we're so self-absorbed and we're the farthest things from it. I just don't want them to be like, Jamie, we have heard this story about your mom 85 times now because I can't remember what I say. Um, I would tell you, I would be like, Jane, you've said this 15 times. Would you? I would. Okay. You should know that by now. Fine, fine, fine. So, in the midst of all of our research on the trauma response, we... She says our research. It's it's all our... Well, listen. It's all Jamie. You are a part of this by default. You were texting me. You were supporting. You were cheerleading me on while I researched my ass away. Because <laughs> um, you were working and I was not. So, I mean, I kind of was, but, like, he was also helping me. We were learning about this together. Keeping her child system. alive is clearly not work. <laughs> it is so much work, but we've got, we're getting it under control. I think it's more or less keeping yourself alive. <laughs> That really is the main struggle, if I'm being quite honest. I've got him under control now. It's keeping me alive. Um, so, for those listening, no, I'm not suicidal. I'm no, just I'm literally sorry. remembering to eat and breathe is a challenge well, to me sometimes. Super hyper active, soon to be four year old. Yes. So, in the research, 
I've pretty much have not come to a conclusion about how many damn trauma responses there are. There's your your four typical fight, flight, fawn, freeze, or fight, fight, good grief, fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. Um, and there's been like two two other ones that have been thrown in there. There's been flop and flood, which are like the most common ones I'm seeing. But there's a ton of different words for all those, which we will go into in later episodes. But um, tonight, or today, or this episode, whenever you're listening to this, we will be discussing the fight trauma response, um, which I feel like everyone's pretty familiar with. So fortunately for you, we'll be able to keep this a little bit shorter. But fighting your fight trauma response is just you want to attack the threat and how you could recognize fight response within yourself or within another um, is they are prone to anger outbursts, irritability. They seem to be very controlling, known as the bully, some you know narcissistic type behaviors, explosive behaviors. They can't hear others' point of views. They demand perfection. They have dictatorial tendencies. Hmm. Physically, it's like they'll be, they'll be the type to move forward towards you they'll move towards you they'll buck up they'll broaden their shoulders they'll try to make themselves they will peacock no that's trying to show off they will um make their bodies physically larger in an attempt to intimidate or like a velocity and this this was like the really interesting part to me as i was kind of this wasn't said anywhere but i wanted to add a thought and um this was put somewhere self-preservation at all costs and I'm like, because it wrote that they can be impulsive. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't want to control why with this. And I'm like, they will be impulsive and make impulsive decisions when they reach that point where it's like self-preservation at all costs. They'll just respond and they'll make an impulsive, reckless decision in an attempt to, to self-preserve. Where like the intention is to win or control the other no matter the cost, right? But yeah, and whereas die. on the... Yeah, whereas on the flip side of this, I really started thinking, and I haven't seen this anywhere, but it was like really clicked for me. Flight is exactly the same. Self-preservation at all costs. Mm-hmm. But avoiding also the conflict. Make them, but it can, yes, exactly. But it can also make them impulsive. So like their self-preservation is where the intention is to escape no matter the cost. And then I was like, hold on, think reactive abuse, impulsive. Like they're trying to get the fuck out of there. Like they will do and act out of character, things you could never imagine just to escape the situation. They just want it to be gone over away. Yeah. So I was like, that's interesting. It was an interesting thought of mine. I mean, in fight, you can really relay it to like the animal kingdom. When you think of like a tiger, for instance, if a tiger feels threatened, they're going to attack. Now, like if a gazelle senses danger, they're going to run. Then I guess like, exactly. then you have the fucking ostrich who's just going to stick its head in the stand. I guess they freeze. <laughs> That's called freeze. Yeah. You know, like when you, when you like put it into perspective like that, like I think it's also a little easier that like people who generally have a fight trauma response, like they're willing to fight because they're defensive. Like their, de- their way to defend themselves and protect themselves is by fighting. Mm-hmm. somebody who has a flight trauma response they want to get as far away from the th- perceived threat as possible exactly you know precisely so precisely are you just i just got the picture 
Have you Sorry, my daughter is blowing up my phone because this happens. She has to stay in her room because they just, it's 7 o'clock, 7.30, they feed off each other and like fireworks. So she, this is her, her time to herself gotcha. as well. And this is daddy and Noah time. Like we all split off except, yeah, Noah can't split off because we'd lose him forever. So you'd be walking to North Carolina to come see Stabby. A hundred percent. Um, and he'd probably get pretty far too. He concerns me for an almost four year old. Like there's no sense of self preservation there. None. You talk about self preservation, there's there's none. Zip zilch. I don't think he's fight or flight. He's just go oh, he's, he's definitely fight. fight. <laughs> yeah, he's that actually fight. that so could fight be like no sense of self-preservation like will destroy himself going down too because that's a hundred percent my toddler i think that's also just an aries possibly yeah so you can think of like um narcissist sociopathic you know uh, tendencies uh, or conduct disorders when you think of fighting and it says that when you're in your fight mode, this is like it, it's in your sympathetic nervous system. That's where this one lies, right? That makes sense. So if you go back to our final episode of the primal wounds, the humiliation part two, where we are talking about the brain and how all this shit functions, there was a point in all this. So the fight is in your sympathetic nervous system, which is the gas pedal, the Cruella de Vil of your brain telling you you're in danger the ras right yeah yeah yeah. where you're talking about the ras to the hypothalamus which then you know releases all these things the cruella de vil put put foot on the gas pedal and you are um yeah you're flooring it we are so grateful to those of you who have allowed us to take up space in your lives and supporting us while we share some of our most vulnerable moments as james said your support means the world to us So we would absolutely love to know your thoughts on the show. So please leave us a review on any of our platforms and also make sure to follow us on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. The links are posted in our show notes. This concludes your tour. Stay wild, trauma child. Please remain seated until... Oh, God, James. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening. We love you. And as always, stay wild.